0: This episode of all the president's minutes is brought to you by another one heat minute production. It came from the deep. It came from the deep is the latest show from Maria Lewis, author and host of Josie and the podcast and myself, Blake Howard. We are hosting a narrative. Podcast, an audiobook of Maria's incredible book, It Came from the Deep, and an audiobook after show where we take apart every chapter as it happens and break them all apart, break it down, inspirations, craft, uh, everything about the sort of the town that it was based on and where it was based, which is the Gold Coast in Queensland of Australia, where the story is set. Um, and we haven't yet, but we will definitely be diving into some merrish people there along the way it is not in the one hit minute productions feed just the trailer is so if you search for it came from the deep in any podcast app you will find it have a listen if you love your mer friends because mermen need they love to
2: the white house blocked the cdc from contact tracing this super spreader event maybe it's because the white house already knows who is patient zero why won't you wear a mask is it because the president would be disappointed in you if you don't wear a mask
0: i feel that it's safe for me not to be wearing a mask and i'm in compliance with cdc guidelines which are recommended but not required Talk about your contacts with the president, what precautions you took. Oh, no one was
2: wearing masks in the room um, when we were prepping the president during that period of time.
0: It is being contained. And do you not think it's being contained?
1: Late today, we learned that Stephen Miller, senior advisor to the president, has also tested
0: positive. You spent a lot of time at the White House. Do you think there's a hole in the system there now? I don't.
2: As the CDC continues to study the spread of COVID-19, they're recommending that people wear cloth face coverings in public settings where social distancing measures can be difficult to maintain.
0: President Trump just tweeted moments ago that he and the First Lady have tested positive for the coronavirus.
2: I know there's a risk, there's a danger, but that's okay. And now I'm better, and maybe I'm immune. I don't know. They are lying to you every day. If Donald Trump can't protect himself or his staff, how can he possibly protect America?
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to All the President's Minutes. I'm your host, Blake Howard. It is a full 90- one episodes since I've spoken to this man, and that's not like three years of podcasts. That's this year. Oh my goodness! The last time we joined this absolutely terrific editor and editorial consultant, and uh, former professional hockey player, and all round just really movie. Twitter, film, Twitter, just like positivity, film gushy, loving legend that I'm talking to today, um, was in the Library of Congress scene. And there's not too many people that in this entire series of all the president's minutes that I've allowed to, to pick a minute. And this guy is someone who I was like, I desperately want you to come back on the show. And I desperately want you to, instead of me prescribing minutes, consistently what seems to happen with everyone on the show I'm like you, you've you've played this game before you're an alum of our show you picked a minute you want to talk about so it's with my great pleasure that I welcome back the awesome vashi inmansky to all the president's minutes mate thank you so much for coming back
2: to Blake thank you again this is like my third or fourth time and I had no idea that you had signed this. I felt honored I was like oh you were like what minute Oh, I got like three or four minutes. How about this or that or that? I have no idea. I feel like, I feel like an a-hole for <laughs> calling out you're stuff.
1: You're not an a-hole. As we're recording this, so just a little bit inside baseball, as we're recording this, the just now the 90th episode of All the President's Minutes has dropped. So you guys are going to be hearing this like a couple of weeks after that we recorded. And, you know, there's now really only like 40 ish episodes of the show to go. Um, so uh, it, it was really important to me, um, to, to some of, some of those key repeat guests such as yourself that I wanted them to be able to come back and I wanted them to be able to get a chance to talk about what they want to talk about coming up on the show. But it's, yeah, it's been, a, it's been a, it's been a ride this time. Um, unlike one heat minute, which, you know, two episodes a week is a different animal to, you know, three and four episodes a week. Um, because you just have a little bit more time, you do a little bit more long lead. The show has a bit more time to momentum, but you know, this shows a 2020 show. Um, in my mind now, it's like it's, it's 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 gonna it's gonna be a time capsule that runs the full gamut from when Australia was on fire at the, at the very beginnings of the year, the very beginnings of the show recording in my office studio where I am right now, in my garage. Um, like you know, when the smoke was outside and it was like 40 degrees, and all the way through a covid pandemic and 6 months of lockdown and not leaving this goddamn house and this office becoming my life <laughs> like the epicenter of my life in more ways than one so yeah i i, I it's it's now I'm so glad to chip
2: in and help out and also your show could be like the only positive takeaway for 2021 honestly
1: <laughs> yeah look it's it is it is getting it is getting like that my man look um it's it's what a Oh, <sighs> what a crazy time. What a crazy time. I'm so glad that you are safe and sound. Um, a little bit out of LA. We won't like... I out the, the desert. Road.
2: I'm on Palm Springs. I have a place in Joshua Tree. So I'm two hours away from the chaos and if the zombies arrive or the nukes hit, then I'll have a little window to, uh, to escape and last a little longer than most.
1: Oh man, I'm so glad that you're safe. Uh, yeah, look, in, in Oz, we are... In, in Oz, we're in a better position. where We have a smaller population and B, you know, there's... Um, we, we have sort of tentatively opened, um, which is good in, in some, in some States and some States, you know, in, in Oz have no, uh, no new cases and only very, very few active cases going around. So we're very lucky, but man, all around the world, just all over the place. Um, I think that whenever there's any complacency when it comes to this virus, like you just watch spikes happen and we've had it in one of our Southern States in Victoria, just crazy. It's just a crazy time. And then now all of the political craziness, you know, the president of the United States, you know, you're, you're, a you're an essential refugee um, from from um, Czechoslovakia when you defected. So, yeah, yeah. you know, like you come into the United States of America and would you have ever imagined that the United States uh, president is asking people to attempt to commit mail fraud to prove that he should win the election? Like, no, it, it's, it's like I grew up, up in a,
2: communist in a communist system and, and this is, is like 10 times worse because it's completely is, out really in the open. Yes. and It's complete denial by, by certain people. We were like, Oh no, it's, that's not really happening. And it's right in your face. So I guess like they said, like the bigger, the lie, the easier it is to swallow. So oh,
1: who knows? Crazy like, time. chaos. Chaos. Well, we are way back in episode 90. So that people are hearing very close to this. Um, I had a guest from our, from, and I know we've got a lot of mutual friends that write for the terrific independent film site, Brightwall dark room. The, mm-hmm. Kel- Kelsey Ford is one of the writers there. She was on the show. And Kelsey dubbed, I think, a key character in this minute, Hugh Sloan, played by Stephen Collins, Slippery Sloan. She said, Sloan being slippery. 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 And I went, Slippery Sloan is probably the greatest nickname that I could give this character. And in this minute, the whole time I was re-watching it, getting ready to talk to you, I was like, Slippery fucking Sloan, man. He <laughs> is just... He hey,
2: didn't ask the right question.
1: Didn't uh, look true. They didn't ask the right question, but this guy is, he. he's the first character all those 30 minutes ago for folks who have been following along every single episode. If this is your first episode, welcome. Thank you so much for listening. And, but all those 30 minutes ago, just as a quickly flashback, it was, there was something uneasy and there's a disquiet and in the structure of the, the perfectly edited, blocked and just composed and, and then performed. Pakula bringing that out of him, like uh, Mr. Pakula, like bringing that performance out of Collins. It's all setting up that this guy knows that he absolutely could get in deep trouble. And he knows that all yep. the people around him have done gnarly things. And ultimately his wife threatened to leave him. So he actually had to have, have his arm twisted to leave the, you know, leave the organization of Creed, But right from that moment. And this movie doesn't do it in any kind of like a crass way, or I think or like too blustery, but man, they're perfectly burying the lead here that anything that this guy says is going to be questionable you know? And so yeah, they yeah. think that all the fail safes are in order. All the fail safes should have happened by now, but right now we're rolling into the consequences of if someone reneges or backs out or backflips on something that they confidentially tell these guys, which I think is just such a powerful concept because it's, it's the usual quandary for the, you know, the journalism as cautionary tale movies that exist like shattered glass and things like that. Right. And back then, like obviously they wanted, the reporters want to get the right story out. Yeah, the reporter does
2: yeah. and you can't, I mean more so now now it's nothing but you know stories that are either unsubstantiated or God knows what created from where but they're trying hard back then they want to be accurate they don't want to let down the post they don't want to let down Ben Bradley like we're gonna see what happens and it's some of the best face acting ever like the the stink eye that, that Ben Bradley is about to deliver is just horrific I would not want to be on the receiving end of that ever
1: this is a you know Um, the great Sydney Lumet says, uh, you know, and, and you would, you live by this, but edits are a choice to create tension and to in a moment and a lack of edits also have their own alchemy to create tension. But this is a more heavily edited minute than some of the minutes that we've spoken about because this movie has a very deliberate pace and the edits are hard cuts to great faces, whether it's, Mm bradley whether you've got a great hoffman uh face facial expression that closes out you've got redford and hoffman in the same frame together and then there's a there's a chorus photo where it's like here no yes. evil, see no evil <laughs> speaking oh, yeah. almost of um of bradley of harry and howard and you've got balsam and um and robards as 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 bradley and howard looking at the boys watching this Th- this news article in the. Uh, in the from the
2: TV, with the exception of the first line that Robards delivers, everyone's just to the acting and the editing is sublime. It's yeah. it was perfect. It was, uh, it makes you question like, who should I be looking at? You're listening to the story you're like, oh my God, what's Ben Bradley think? You hard cut to him, and he's like, oh shit, he's pissed. <laughs> cut back to the boys. They, they looked like little children, you know, you know, being reprimanded at the principal's office.
1: So. We're already
2: talking about the minute. We haven't even looked at it. Yet. We, we got.
1: Let's look at it because it is absolutely sublime. It it's it, it, it is for anyone who wants to know. Um, it is again the one hundred and twenty second minute. So when you go two hours and one minute on your dial, um, up to two hours and two minutes. If you're watching it on HBO Max or on Blu-ray or on uh, um or on VOD on iTunes or Apple or whatever whatever it is, it should be identical. You're literally pulling up, um, and we're going to just do a, like a quick cut between the White House getting the paper delivery, the White House itself, uh, and then into the newsroom. And uh, look, Vashi and I right now are gonna watch it together. You guys are gonna listen along and then we're gonna come back and unpack it. And it's sublime and one, one of my favorite movie editors and one of the great scholars of movie editing um, is gonna help us unpack it when we come back.
2: What's Dave? No. Flown, who resigned as campaign treasurer after the Watergate break-in, showed up for a deposition in the Common Cause suit on disclosure of campaign contributions and denied naming Haldeman.
0: Mr. Sloan, would you care to comment on testimony before the grand jury? I'd like my attorney to answer that question. Gentlemen, the answer is an unequivocal no. Mr. Sloan did not implicate Mr. Haldeman in that testimony it at is all. in his testimony. Thank Mr. You. Sloan I acknowledged did... there was an espionage fund. No, not at all. Did he mention any use of funds with espionage activity? None whatsoever. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you.
2: Sloan expanded his denial to include his statements to the FBI and to all federal authorities.
1: Slippery, slippery. Slippery, Sloan. Son of a gun great oh my god great minute holy Great sh- minute. holy right. how
2: about the seven actors that are on camera i mean In rogues gallery
1: like murderer's row of actors are you kidding me jesus wow jack warden martin balsam jason robards robert redford dustin hoffman like and then yeah. collins um and and, and, and then and 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 collins
2: and his lawyer wasn't that the guy from poltergeist who yes, was the <laughs> sold the plots and moved the you know, moved it, bought the lands, and, but didn't move the bodies.
1: Yes. He's, so, his, his lawyer's name, the actor, um, it, it's just in the credits as Hugh Sloan's lawyer. His name is James Karen. And James Karen right. has been in, He was Mr. Teagan Paltagas. Yeah. He's in Mulho- Mulholland drive. Um, he's in return of yeah. the living dead. He's man. He has an absolute, he has an oh, absolute stacked, stacked resume. And, and it goes oh, yeah. for literally decades. So, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. like, you know, He's uh, oh my god! Look at this, you know. He's it's literally it's, it, so it, it's it's deep. It's scary. I'm gonna just get out. I'm gonna get out of IMDb. Otherwise, we're just gonna get down a rabbit hole. But, <laughs> I, but I but I love the I love the deferral uh, mm-hmm. to, to, to to James karen's character as the lawyer. But just is there a better call and response shot? Almost in all of movie making, because the restraint to have Woodstein right close, you see the unbelievably, you know, sort of this great storytelling lines of Robard's face, and he screams out Woodstein, everything stops. The whole newsroom stops. Like, it's like time stops. and the the sound absolutely out. drops out completely. Yeah, and, yeah. This, and this camera stays static and just waits for these guys to come and watches everyone's faces go, oh, I am so glad that that's not me. I am so exactly. glad. <laughs> that's the point. And it, is. it I'm is. so glad. It is the the principal
2: principal calling the kids the students to the office. The longest walk of shame from their desks off in the distance. Everything drops out, and then slowly you start hearing the click clack bringing it back up, like everything goes back to normal. But one thing, like we often talk about craft in this, film especially and especially between you and me for this. I think one outstanding component that often gets neglected is the set design or the production design of films. It's taken for granted. A lot of people assume that these sets either are standing or that we just add some flower pots and some chairs and everything's great. Yes. Um, I'm sure you know, but this set was built completely from scratch. The entire Washington Post news floor newsroom. It cost four hundred fifty thousand dollars back then to build that entire set, and. They duplicated everything. They actually took photos of every desk that existed in the Washington Post. They rebuilt everything, including the knickknacks that people have on their desks. They brought trash from the actual Washington Post and put it in the set. Um, That level of detail, which goes, you know, slightly, not unseen, but it's like, visually, it's such a beautiful room. The colors, you know, the, the yellow chairs that, that. Those uh, yellow chairs
1: catch my eye every time. I love them. I love the, it's, it's, it's like, it's a, it is a, it's a time machine those chairs they're amazing absolutely absolutely and so just living
2: in that space i always felt comfortable returning to the, the newsroom because i knew there's going to be conversation i know there's going to be drama and it looks so beautiful it's just so striking and later those long dolly shots where they're running through the newsroom they run like 300 feet like it's just such an expansive place and that to me was always super striking above and beyond the acting of this moment but you're right the, the close up of Ben Bradley, then the cut to the wide shot static, and let the little characters, small in distance, grow in the foreground
1: as they enter to learn their fate. Beautiful and moment. A, a beautiful moment. And to shout out these are Oscar winners. George Jenkins and George Gaines, George Gaines is the set dec- uh, decoration and George Jenkins is the production design. And, uh, Mr. Pakula talks about George Jenkins and talks about the obsessives that he assembled for this movie. And he's like, George Jenkins yep. is so obsessive that I, 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 he makes me better. And mm-hmm. so th- I think that that's, what's really, really, really w- wonderful, um, is that George Jenkins here is, is, you know, it, and, uh, and as you said, um, I really, I almost call it like it's so nakedly uh, it's such a naked shot to do a pullback to a wide for the whole newsroom, because if you don't yeah, have yeah. it and if it doesn't look right, you are deeply exposed in that moment to mm-hmm. say, oh, this doesn't look right. But to have the the stones, not only the craft, but the stones to go. We're going to do a wide shot, and I need no track. I need everything to look perfect. I need it all to look identical. I need to make sure that all, all the background actors and everyone and all the little active things that are happening around this newsroom. I need it all to look perfect and just sublime. And there you go. I just that I can't get I can't get enough of how not not only the running shots they impress the hell out of me. Um, but but I think that when you just do a wide shot and people have to walk into frame, it's so great. And then the best thing ever, the best thing ever of Hoffman being the kid who usually knows they're in trouble about something, goes, do you know what this is about? And he goes, nope. Like, like yeah. Redford guy. No. It's, no. "It's the worst
2: it's just, feeling ever. Yeah, it's so... To be, one step behind, to be one step behind, especially at your job and especially in a critical moment like this. Oh, bad feeling. So, and then when they get in the room, you would think in a normal movie at that point, Robards as Bradley would start yelling and cursing and beating them down. Everyone would just pile on instead, not a word said and everyone just watches the TV information is shared. No one says a word. Unbelievable. You could have easily gone the other way, but Pakula, do you think he would, he would never let that happen? What what, exposition for the sake of telling people? no?
1: No. It's, it's the, it's the absolute rote, 80s buddy cop formulaic response is to him to take them in there and give them a dressing down. That amazing chorus and then their response—it's—it's it's like a call and response. And there's no call. Like it's just right. A, right. look. Howard can't even. Uh, sorry, um, Henry, uh, Harry Jack Warden's character can't even look at them. Can't even look up. Yeah, I can't look like, up. Yep. He's like he's been told. He's vouched for them. He's vouch for, for them so many he's times. He's vouched for them. them. And he's looking at the story. He's like, I can't look at you right now. Then the great in Howard's face in Martin Balsam's brilliant face. Um, he's looking at them with, with concern with disappointment and Bradley is staring with just pure Jag- just daggers at them. And so there's these nuanced bits, you know, of, of these mentor figures in their, in their career and in their lives that have like helped them get this story and driven them to all the ends of the earth to get it where it's got to so far and make sure that they do all the due diligence to not have something like this happen. and it happened. Yeah. I had one time
2: my worst editing experience in terms of trying to do the right thing and, and getting kicked in the dick. Was I was I edited a documentary about PTSD? It was premiering at Sun uh, South by Southwest, and the day before, the director said, "We need to burn another Blu-ray with one change." You know, I'm like, "That's not a problem. I'll FedEx it. You'll have it tomorrow." So I had to hit the cutoff for FedEx. So the only time in my life I didn't QC the Blu-ray, I sent it to him, and it wouldn't get past the menu to start the film. Oh so he had we had to show the the previous like two days ago version without that one change the director wanted. And I've never felt professionally. I felt like I was the biggest idiot, jackass loser. Like I'm a professional. No, you're not. You fucked up. And the director called me and I'm like, I couldn't even, I could barely answer the phone. You know, that feeling. I felt exactly how these guys felt. I dropped the ball and would never, it will never happen again. So I was, this, this was especially painful for me.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, it's painful for, for everyone. There's, you know, there's, uh, I've, I've in parts of my day job, um, in, in corporate communications or in things like that, you send, you send something out, someone comes back and says, this is the version to send. And you go, yep. You sure? Yep. And sometimes there's a delay in the email communications. And then like literally two seconds after you've hit send to like thousands of people, they come back and go, no, we've got one more change. And you're like, It's gone. It's gone. And they're like, that, That's a, there's a mistake. And you're like, you just gave me the, go-. like, I should have just held, I should have just held my breath. I should have just waited for yeah. it, walked away from my day. Go to coffee, whatever, just take a beat. And you, it happens all the time. It, it get-
0: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems.
1: it can happen. But what the tragedy of this, and this is actually what's so great about this moment is they, they're disappointed about how he's reneged it. They didn't ask the right question, but also this is where the guys actually have to, and and it's great. And it starts with Hoffman's inquisition at the end is like, they actually do take it on the chin and take that soul searching moment and go, what the hell happened? How did, how, how did this go wrong? And-,
2: and especially for Hoffman, because he's the one that's priding himself. I've been here so long. I know how everything works. He's always one step ahead. He's creeping outside the office to get a story scoop. He's trying to pick up a new story. So it, it hurts him especially. And he doesn't pipe up. He doesn't start trying to explain himself like he does in other scenes. He just eats it and tries to figure out, like you said, what what do we do now? What went wrong? How do we fix it? And gets to the bottom of it.
1: Can I also say a really small detail? This is like for triviality, but I think you and I probably get off on it too, is there's nothing more that I hate of the laziness of just inserting someone into archival photography. I actually really like that they had to redo it. Like they actually had to get people to pretend to be reporters, to say the lines that were in original archival photography and redo it with these new actors performing the roles of the people who were in that archival photography originally. I just love that. It's a small detail. It's probably a a couple of hours shoot maybe three or four takes, yep. and it's just one little assembly it's just finding a shop front it's not going to be hard for your, your you know your, your production designers or your or your um your set decorators to find something your location scouts and all that you just find a a, a crappy shop front that just ma- like does enough to match and you shoot it and, and what it does is it makes it seamless in the rest of the movie with all of the other archival footage because you're just shooting on you know Old school TV, You're thinking that
2: CRT TVs, yeah. And
1: I, what I love about that is—is is that the only shot that was
2: recreated? Because obviously, all the other stuff is archival and it's it's seamless. But this doesn't jump out like I wasn't expecting. I was happy to see Sloan like outside of the house. I was happy to see like what's going to happen and what the explanation was. If it was the real people in archival, I don't think it would have had the same impact.
1: No, and and it's and it allows you. And I think that this is like with all the other archival footage, if you go to the archival footage of Sloan, it, it, it complete, it doesn't allow you to have a silent scene. What happens is Bradley has to talk. You see Sloan here so that we all go, Oh, that's Sloan, the real Sloan. It's just distracting. It's completely distracting. Cause you know, as a storytelling device in my mind is it's completely distracting because it takes out a But I think, I think just that recreation, of a, of a piece of archival footage here allows them to say nothing and and this scene to speak so loudly like it's essentially like a couple it carries, yeah i mean
2: that, that insert which again is a simple thing to create and shoot it just it carries the, this moment through and allows the actors in the room to express themselves and emote without words because it's doing the heavy lifting and that's that's written in like it's in the script it's all right there and it's is beautiful it's a really beautiful moment yeah it's it's
1: and this is our worst nightmare. You know, if we're watching this movie, this is our worst nightmare in this movie. You know, obviously so many people have seen this movie. So many people have heard about this movie. So many movies have been influenced by it. And the history that bookends it speaks for itself. And I think the filmmakers are so great at being able to sort of, um, just take you in on what these guys did. But this is their worst nightmare for each of those guys as individuals is for someone to go back or for some part of their reporting to not hit the standard, that Bradley standard that they've been knocking it out of the park. And, you know, even as, as, as soon as like, you know, sort of circa, um, you know, 20 minutes ago, um, 30 minutes ago, there's the, you know, the great scene where, um, Hoffman hears about, you know, uh, k graham getting a titty stuck in a you know titty stuck in a ring and um and um and and all those things where bradley's like this is great you know run this baby like this is this is the stuff um so they've had all of these positive things and this movie just has the great thing of like i don't know whether it's for us or we're gluttons for punishment which has a great way of going you're not quite there you've still got more work to do you're not quite there this is that's, the, that's the
2: beauty of dramatic film making when you have setbacks you have to have setbacks it's every film like you think about raiders of the lost ark uh indiana jones basically accomplishes nothing in the whole film like literally doesn't do anything but you never think about it that way but those are all setbacks
1: setbacks setback and our favorite wow. parts are when he's already had five setbacks in a row and then and then the truck sequence happens and he's like what do yeah. you gonna do he's like i don't know i'm just making this up as i go along like there's nothing there may not be a better line in all of movie history than that line like that's in the that's in the pantheon of like i don't know i'm just making this up as i go
2: along like, and he throws it away too he throws the line away which is- it's like a side profile. He's almost not even. He's not even acknowledging there's a camera there. He's like, I don't know, making up as I go.
1: I and then, love it. and then straight into the multiple setbacks of that you know that iconic action sequence. But that's what it is. It's like we needed this setback to come. It couldn't just flow easily um, uh, because obviously then you know where we now It'd be a lot shorter to- film if,
2: if, if Swarm yeah. just blew the whistle right there. <laughs> then, then you'd be yeah. almost done with the show.
1: Yeah. If there was no such thing as a slippery slope this show would have been over like 30 minutes ago. Um, and I've yeah, exactly. still got about 15 minutes to go, but no, I think this is the, this is the one colossal setback that really propels us towards the end of this movie. And it's, um, it's, it's in these moments. And also it's then, then the faith of these editors to say, they're going to stand by the guys. Which is coming up? one I of my
2: favorite. Like, when he writes it down, I'm like, "Oh my god, what did, what did he write?
1: What did he write? What did he write?" It's just one of those great things that, like, this is where you get it, where they say, "No, we know the story's right. We know the story's right. We've got we've got corroboration and sources, and we've then had validation about where we've gotten the story wrong, like where we where we we were inarticulate about whether he said it at the grand jury, whether he was asked at the grand jury, um, which you know people will see later. But yeah, this this moment is a great setback moment, and I I just there are so many bits to love, but I, I almost can't get over the the chorus shot of Bradley Stearns, yeah. of Howard Stearns.
2: I would print that and put it on my wall. Like oh my just,
1: in in your beautiful I uh, frame, but in your beautiful like captures of like every single frame of this movie. Um um, I'm just gonna go and see because I actually ha- I al- almost always have it open. Um, I just the- put up like the first 20 minutes,
2: I think. I haven't gotten around to the rest of the film, but I will shortly. Yeah. But while you look that up, I wanted to mention that, again, the setback. What's What really made this dangerous for everyone was that now the government's on the offensive. Yes. yes. They caught them in a trick, lie, or a mistake. The the general public are now like, oh, see, I told you Watergate was nothing. They're just making up stuff now. It makes it so much – stakes are raised much more than just the editors being pissed off. Yes.
1: The, the country is now – unknowing and
2: and off kilter you know because
1: and, of and and it's that one thing that gets to call into question all of their reporting into this point um yep. that slippery slime moment where it's like everything that they've gone now it's all now it's all up up for grabs and then the urgency is you know we'll we'll ju- we'll jump off the story that's what's you know that's that's the integrity that comes up with these guys and and this is you know really the business end of this film and really what is so meaningful for me is like you know if they feel like they're so passionate. They're so they've got such integrity and they've got such a work ethic. They're like, look, if we were wrong, if we were really like colossally wrong and we've impacted people's lives, careers, and we've done a disservice to the country, we will retire. We're out. We'll call, we'll call it quits. But it just doesn't seem like there would ever be a moment in this world that that would happen because they feel like that, you know, in both of these, in, in this instance where they've kind of gotten this information, um, you know, uh, twisted from slippery Sloan. Um, then it's like, Oh no, there is something there's, it's still something here. now people are just protecting themselves and they're just protecting themselves a little bit harder as we get right. as stakes get higher.
2: Right. And to that point, like stepping outside of the room that we're in right now and going back out with journalists in general, like you think about this, this was the one of the last purely analog offices and analog times where it is typewriters, telephones, paper, pen, you know, teletypes, you know, uh, CRT TVs, analog. Everything is analog. 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 Wow. How much information can you find today? Like the procedural films that we watch today. Someone, you know, you jump on an on an Apple, whatever MacBook Pro, and you have a, the answer you want, or the video you want, or the audio you want. Three seconds. Yes. So like storytelling changes currently. Like how do you express these journeys and these procedural events that either detectives or or you know, journalists have to go through, but I love the analog approach. I just love sitting there with those guys in the room. I love watching them write down. I love the inserts when Robert Eppert's writing stuff and then he's crossing things off and the sound of that, the pen on paper, exaggerated loudly. The first t- uh, keyboard type hits of the film that are cannons. All that analog, it just gives it, uh, grounds it in this sort of realism and you know that things are gonna take longer than we expect now. And so it gives you that window, I think, to open up not the editing, but the pacing. But once again, the pacing is on fire. It's so quick. There's no fat. And you've said that so many times. And we every time I watch it, I'm like, I can't wait to watch it. I I texted you at like three in the morning the other day. I'm like, I put it on. I got to put it on. I can't help it. And I watched it. I loved every minute of it, as if I'd never seen
1: it before. And and that's actually what I what I say to folks when they're talking about these projects or they're talking about. I'm like. The movies that have attracted me to do this, I don't see a second that's wasted. And I can't say that. I can't say that for so many films. Like there are so many, like if you have the impulse to look at your watch and it must drive you insane as an editor, probably even more than someone like me. But it's like, if you have a moment where you're not engaged and it doesn't, and I'm not talking about like stillness, I'm not talking about slowness. Uh, I- intentional slowness I'm just talking about so many films that feel like they waste moments or they feel contrived or whatever but this movie just moves It was like it, same as what we've talked about on heat like I saw heat on the big screen in Oz when I was lucky enough in my in my town when uh, some of the COVID restrictions opened back up and cinemas opened back up I saw heat on the big screen again with a couple of my buddies and oh. it, there's not a wasted minute and I'm now doing another, you know, more than two and a half hour long movie. And it's like, there's not a wasted minute. There's no wasted seconds. Like this scene has everything. It's got yep, the yep. White House never sleeping. And it turns this beacon of hope into this menacing sleepless beast. And it's, yep, got, yep, yep. it's got Jason Robard's Oscar winning face right there. Like two time Oscar winning face right there, screeching at these guys. One of the most seamlessly you know, recreated inserts of, um, archival footage into the movie and, and, you know, people allowing people to perform in those moments. And then just all this incredible, like storm of reaction shots. Like, and this is just one minute of like 130 odd or 40 odd by the time we get to the end of this movie that we've discussed. And I just, yeah, this movie is almost impossible. If I didn't have to turn it off to talk to you guys about it, I would just I could and would have it on a loop,
2: especially. I, I when- often do in my edit bay. I'll have it on a loop in the background. Um, I've talked to other editors that have it because, again, there's not much music. But it does. It's very subtle and it's emphasizing things. It's just the conversations, the sound. Like, well, it sounds like you're in a newsroom, like 95% yes. of the film. Yeah. So maybe that instigates you to work harder or work continue working. You know, maybe it's that kind of uh, oral stimulation that we sometimes need. But I agree with you. It's just. It's magical. And I. It's that's why we're breaking it down. We're trying to express and, and share with other people what, why it means so much to us and how uh, film from 1974 or five, I can't even remember now. Well, there yeah, f- f-
1: f- 75, it was filmed. I think it was released very early in 76, but yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it's I mean, also, but, but you know, they're, they're literally making the, the, Redford's talking to Woodward and Bernstein before they've written the book. Right, he was working on The
2: Candidate. He was shooting The Candidate, Redford was, So he already had a taste for the political, I mean, he's had that for a while, but he was actually acting in it. And then he took the role and then obviously put on the corduroy and he was a brand new man.
1: (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. The the corduroy is a life changer, but the candidate again, well, I, I, that's another movie I've only watched very recently. Um, uh, for the, for this show. And that's just another great movie, another terrific, another terrific movie of, what I imagine is sort of like an artist's rendition of the exact same experience that the current president of the United States had when he actually won, which is like, yeah.
2: what, Best, what a great last line.
1: Do you remember the last slide? Like, yeah, well, it, was, it was like, what do we do now? Like yeah. literally. That's the last literally. line. What do we do now? Yeah. Oh. The, that, that scene where Redford's in the cab, if you see the candidate, watch the candidate, it's absolutely incredible viewing. Just to to talk about the American political machine, to talk about, you know, candidates and, why people would do it. And then to talk about when people are running up and and, father's and, like, son. and, and great fathers and sons, moment. but what, when there's a, there's a moment where he kind of has a drink, the Kool-Aid moment in his cab, where he starts like spouting all the things that he's saying. And it's kind of tormenting him that he's starting to like, he's, he's been twisted by all this optimism because he knows that it's all just false. And his performance in that cab, I just like that, 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 yeah, that gets me every time, um, and and it's absolutely a driver for like you know, who are the people that are actually in power is probably a yeah, great yeah. question he had in his mind, and then found this next this next opportunity to engage with it on a much more direct, in a much more direct way than like and on the biggest stakes possible in the presidency of the United States, because like people who get elected for local office and then governors, they're the next their next step is up into this, and who are these people, yeah. and and are
2: and they. How, his timing, his timing to approach uh, the the reporters and actually move forward on this, and then to have this just develop in front of him, yes. and then to turn it around so quick within like two years to have the film done—that's just mind-boggling. And at that time,
1: particularly mind-boggling, and at the time when people would be sick of it, you know, I think yeah. I think any of us at the moment there's um. I can't remember. It's a new TV series. It's like the Comey rule or something like that, where Jeff Daniels is playing Comey and then uh, Brendan Gleason's playing trumpets. Like, I think it would be, it would be like something like that, like that's coming out and all of us who are watching those trailers or seeing it or, or hearing about it or reading news items on it, you kind of get this like cynicism of like, Oh, like what is like, what is this take going to be like, you know, is, this, right, right, right. Is, this, this doesn't, feel like it's going to be in all the president's men or, or a social network or something like that. But you never know, like what guys, the next, you know, definitive, um, you know, sort of docu docudrama um, is going yeah. to be, but, but, you know, I've just mentioned two that are around 40 years apart because that's the standard, like the, the, the level yeah. of <laughs> the the level of like, filmmakers and actors and editors and the alchemy of the text and who's producing it. Like it, it takes time, you know, I think the big shorts, another one, which I absolutely adore, um, um, that, uh, came out fairly recently. um, again, another movie that feels like it's born out of the love of all the president's men. Um, really terrific, but yeah, it's, it's really, really fascinating stuff. You know what I was thinking about the post
2: and I was thinking about like the interior of the same place. And how it looks so different. It looks so archaic in the post. It looks like it's 15 years earlier. I mean, I know the I know the story is over time, but it just looked like not a set, but it just didn't. It looked like grandma's kitchen or something, you know. And then, it's, you know, and in all the president's men, it looks futuristic. It looks like 2001, like the entire floor.
1: And and it fe- look to be honest with you, you know, it feels more modern than some corporate. Places I've worked in my life, like you know, like you walk in, walk into an office building, and it used to look exactly like that. And you're like, and you're like, ah, oh, all these damn corporate people looked at newsrooms and thought that open planning made sense. And you're like, oh, no, look at Mad Men. We all need offices. Get away from me. um Yeah, it's it's a it's it's a really it's a really crazy thing. But mate, look, it's I, I can't tell you how much um it is a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for your support and um, recommending things and and being such a um, a real, real champion of um, movie loving and movie craft. Um, I love interacting with you online. I love even more um, when we get to chat and uh, just thank you so much for being a part of all the things that we do Um, because your firsthand experience working with these huge filmmakers and, and, and the actual craft of editing um, for me, you've given me a greater appreciation for something that I already appreciated, but I just want to say, thank you so much for being a part of the show. And this will be the time I get a chance to thank you on this show for being a part of this show. So thank you so much.
2: Once again, it's my sincere pleasure. A I, I heartfelt thank you because it's so important to me to share this stuff. And it, I know how important it is to you. And, and the platform you've created is just spectacular. And I tell everyone about it. And it's just super special. I wanted to, can I just say one last thing? I just read this Robert Redford quote the other day, and I hadn't heard it before. And he said, They said, What is all the president's men? And he says, and I'm sure you know it, but a how done it about a who done it.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes. A how done cool. it how done it about a who done it yeah look he he must there's there must be something in the air cuz literally in the conversation i had yesterday to post um we were talking about this movie's great how done it practices and i think that he even greater synthesizes like cuz we we're, we're debating on the show um you know which is now it's like 30 episodes back for other people listening is it a how done it is it a who done it but i think that how done it about a who done it is absolutely perfect and and i think that um but but with every with with every new person whenever whenever we get to the how people are implicated um so <laughs> there's the, the, you know as we get to the how there's another state of impl- implication there's someone else being evasive someone being slippery um and Set it, back. setbacks baby setbacks <laughs> with a big exclamation point vashley nitamansky thank you so much um where can people find you? So um, uh, other than um, at Vashiku on Twitter. At Vashiku on Twitter is where I'm at all the time, but
2: my website is vashivisuals.com and I have my blog there where I post all my ramblings and thoughts and breakdowns. That's the easiest two places to, to try and interact or find out more about me. So,
1: And you can also see he's incredible. He's uh, got a, a, every sort of 20 seconds of all the president's men, he's got a, a this gigantic collage picture. He's got the heat breakdown. <laughs> if if you are a movie and Cinephile fan, apart from just all of like this dedicated breakdowns, like Vashi's doing the Lord's work on a couple of things, which is creating, showing you every shot from your favorite scenes ever and doing some analysis on shot lengths of your favorite directors. So if you're a real film geek about like which films and how people are evolving and for another show on one hit minute productions, increment vice talking about Paul Thomas Anderson's evolution as a director and how he's changed his editing style and things like that to, you know, and and how shot lengths reflect, reflect that um Vashi literally does some research that's kind of nowhere else and uh, all people do it kind of in a bespoke way and then target it but and Vashi just does it you know as a vocation for all of us to enjoy so mate thank you so much for that you as <laughs> look I, I don't understand when people are like oh what's the shot lengths so I go like I don't know I go straight to your blog it's in my favorites I just go there and I'm like oh, I've did this he's like yeah here's the breakdown I save the picture I, I DM it to someone I'm like yeah Vashi did a great breakdown of all of Finch's films or all of Paul Thomas Anderson's. Like, if you want to check the shot lengths, because you know, I've it was really funny. I was listening to an episode of um, editing an episode actually of increment Vice, and the guys were talking about shot lengths. And I, in the middle of editing the episode, I just opened up a window on my browser and I was checking it out on your site to, to hear to hear how. Dude, you're too kind. I thank you for
2: all that kindness, and I know you're going to get it back. And I'm so proud of you, and I can't wait to see what you do next. And I'll be there either listening or trying to get on for another minute or an hour next time on anything you want.
0: That is my incredibly generous and lovely friend, Vashi Nidamansky. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Vashiku, which is V-A-S-H-I-K-O-O. He usually links to some of the amazing stuff that he does, but I would recommend favoriting his website, Vashi Visuals. Dot .com which is vashi visuals.com vashi is unbelievable uh, at sort of cataloging the incredible things that he's doing and shot lengths and just you know different technical stuff that kind of is nowhere else and it's it's beautiful because if you are like me and you like listening to vashi talk about his editorial style he's just kind of got i don't know we've just got such close taste that uh, close taste rather that it seems that it's perfect vashiku on twitter Guys, thank you so much for listening to another episode of All The President's Minutes. We have so many great guests lined up in the run-up to the completion of the show. Um, The 29th of November is the final date. The final episodes have been almost recorded. Can't wait to share them with you. One Blake Minute is where you can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at atpmpod for updates about the show exclusively and oneheatminute.com. Thank you so much. Please subscribe, rate, review, share everything we do. It really helps. We appreciate you.